Hey, everybody. This episode is releasing just past Thanksgiving, so I wanted to take a moment to be grateful. What a crazy year it's been for the Horror House. Not just guests I only dreamed possible, but also our first live show, and at Philly's Comic-Con, no less. None of this would be possible without not only you, the listener, but specifically the patrons. Having people think that the show is worthy of paying for has helped me strive to make the show worthy of that, as well as pay the guests who come on the Patreon episodes. They're doing work. They deserve to get paid. So thank you for helping make that possible. And sincerely, the show would not still be going without you. Now for some potentially sad news, at least for a while, starting in 2023, uh, the Best Little Horror House in Philly will shift to a bi-weekly release schedule instead of weekly. This isn't a complaint, I love doing it, but the show is a ton of work, and doing it to a standard that I feel everybody deserves is even more work. Not only do I have to take the time to book the guests and typical producer-slash-editor-slash-marketing duties, but there's just always another episode looming to prepare for, which has occasionally meant having to skip a documentary, not reading the source material book to see what's changed, that sort of thing. By not feeling as under the gun of the constant release cycle, I can fully explore the resources I find, and also, frankly, this will just let me have a little time to have some leisure watches or just relax in general, which will be nice. This will not affect the Patreon bonus episode schedule. In fact, I expect this to be beneficial to the Patreon. More time to plan episodes and not having to shove two episodes in a week to get it done, which of course means research time, but also we can do more wide-ranging stuff. Video game episodes have historically been a challenge, since it's a more serious investment of time just to experience it, and I'd really like to get some book episodes going, or maybe even a book club for patrons or whatever. All things that look much more feasible on the every other week schedule for the main feed. And honestly, if you have some ideas for bonus episodes you'd like to see, I want to hear them. I also suspect that any extra stuff I feel inclined to do with my freed up time will end up on the Patreon. So there may even be multiple bonus episodes some months. Who knows? All right, that's it. Enjoy this great episode about Barbarian with Matt Abadaka. And thanks for understanding, everyone. See you in Plutember. I don't think I clapped loud enough, but I'd see the waveform, so I did do it. <laughs> Great, as long as there's something. I got nervous that I was going to hit the microphone. <laughs> I've been there. I have hit it many times myself, so it's a, a realistic fear. And I was like, I can't I can't hit my Sure SM7B. <laughs> my, baby? my baby? Exactly. <laughs> That's the moneymaker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I need this. <laughs> Meanwhile, my cat comes up on the desk and is like fighting with it. I'm like, That's fine. <laughs> Yeah, I have the headphones here. I've gotten chewed on many times, uh, oh, the man. wire dangling down. So No respect. <laughs> These cats. No. No respect for sure. Yeah. All right. Hi, everybody. I'm George, and welcome to another episode of The Best Little Horror House in Philly, the show where we talk about the best horror movie ever made, according to our guest, at least. And today's guest is a great one. You've heard him on shows like Hollywood Handbook and Comedy Bang Bang or co-hosting Get Played. Please welcome the very funny Matt Apodaca. Hello. Hello, hello, everyone. Thanks for having me, George. Crowd's going nuts. They're going, I said it. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm sure you probably weren't thinking that I was going to say it. You but did it, folks. I, I, did, I did do it. <laughs> and thank you yeah. for giving, giving it space, too, so that people can be like, he said it. Well, we're very happy to have you here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your history with horror in general? Okay, so it's it's sort of 
well documented on Get Played that I am like a Freddy cat, you know, for the most part. Like as far as video games go, I'll say because I think there's like a really big difference between like a horror video game and like watching a horror movie because one of those is passive. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're watching a movie, you know, you're st- you're sitting in your watching experience, you can still be scared by that. I feel like horror right. video games are so much scarier than movies because it's quote unquote happening to you. You're doing the stuff that uh, the scary stuff is happening around. So I, I don't play a lot of horror video games, but I do like the ones that I've played. I in, have enjoyed um, like even like something like Silent Hill 2, I think is a very scary game, but I, I loved it. Um, I, I, I thought it was a really well, well made game. Yeah. Even PT, something like PT is scary, but very cool. Very interesting. But as far as movies go, I feel like, I feel like, especially nowadays, and you know, with this movie in particular too, I maybe I've seen this take going around like online in general, but I feel like horror movies are the movies now where people actually get to have fun like making them. They're like, at least like they're, they're more interesting. They're like, and they, they're the only ones with like jokes in them now too. Like, cause like big studio comedies don't really get made anymore. Like, They'll they'll sneak jokes into horror movies and like actual jokes, yeah. not like well that happened kind of <laughs> like Marvel stuff, uh, which I like also. I, I, you know, if they wanted to put me in one, I'll, I'll say <laughs> whatever they want. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like horror movies. I feel like they're the ones that I'll like. I'm like kind of more excited to go see nowadays because it's like oh like cool like this is gonna be like an interesting movie. Yeah, this is gonna be a good time at the at, at, at the movie theater because uh, like uh, you, should, you sometimes just don't know what it's even gonna be like. And there's just so many. I feel like it's probably like I know that a ton of movies get made all the time and stuff, but I feel like I th- there's no data behind this. I I'm just saying this. I feel like more horror movies are made than any other kind of movie because the more you flip through like Hulu or Amazon Prime or, or Netflix. You're going to find a bunch of sort of low budget horror movies that you've never heard of before. <laughs> uh, and it's just like, when did they even make, like, how did they have time to, who made this? Like, <laughs> it, it, so I, I just feel like there's a ton of stuff like that. And especially like, I saw that there's a new VHS movie, VHS 1999, I think it's called, or something. I think just 99. 99. And like, I remember seeing the first two VHSs and I was like, where does even come like this is like such a low budget thing like who what 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 is this yeah and now there's like a new new one and I was like wow I haven't I didn't even realize I had no idea speaking of horror I see a spider oh not not loving that <laughs> but all that to say it's a fun genre it's a it's a genre that I really like but I wouldn't say that I'm like I wouldn't say that I'm like a horror head though like I know that there are real there are people that that's maybe you're that's all they yeah do. Right. exactly yeah. Uh, where it's like, I'll just sort of like, I like to go, I like to go sort of be in a crowd and be scared. Yeah. That's like fun. You know, have my popcorn and be, have a little scream every now and then. Sure. Yeah. I can totally relate. I, so I actually came to horror pretty late myself. So okay. definitely plenty of love and respect for all the other genres as well. And then, uh, you know, horror uh, has certainly grown to fill a large portion of it. But yeah, I would never say that it's the only thing that I watch. No. But those, those people definitely exist. And I think that you raise a great point about just, so many low budget horror movies exist because they are they're easy to kind of just like put one hook into and be like, all right, well, we're throwing fifty thousand dollars into the costume and that's going to look OK. Yes, <laughs> and that will that'll be the hook. 
But what that does is it means that there's a low barrier to entry and it lets people sort of develop that voice before they have to sort of hit the the style of whatever the the popular thing is. You know, like you said, a lot of those Marvel style jokes have sort of permeated a lot of other genres and stuff. Action movies uh, in particular, I think, is a big, big aspect of that. But this, you know, people get to do jokes and stuff because they're like, well, there's not a lot of money behind it. You can take a few more risks and whatever. Um, yeah, I think it's and, great. And you saying that that like they're gonna put all their money into one thing, and then the rest of it's gonna just kind of be like whatever. The first thing I thought of when you said that was the Evil Dead was was Evil Dead the right. first the very first one because mm-hmm. Evil Dead Two is almost not a sequel, right? It's almost like the same thing, but like it's almost like Super Evil Dead <laughs> to borrow like a video game parlance, right? The Lost and, Levels. Yes, exactly. Yes, yeah, the VR missions, <laughs> but like Evil Dead works. Because it has two really great things going for it. The scary stuff in it looks fucking awesome. And Sam Raimi has the vision. Like he has like the, he knows where to put the camera. He was interested in doing weird things with the camera. Like obviously it has the other great the X Factor. Bruce. Bruce Campbell. Of course. Like yeah. Bruce Campbell is like, I think, the greatest movie star that didn't get to become like a huge movie star. <laughs> yeah. He's incredible. I like was like I, I had only seen these movies for the first time fairly recently. And I was just like, why wasn't he the biggest star in the world? Yeah. He's handsome, he's funny, he's he's great. He's he's fantastic. But so it has all those three things going for it, but like even with his his talent with uh, notwithstanding he wasn't like a huge like he was like those all, all they were all nobody they were all right. like college friends these people, <laughs> and it still works as a movie because it's like the it had it had you know the, it had the X factor it had a little bit of lightning in the bottle sort of magic which mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of horror movies you know they're probably all striving to have that like Evil Dead sort of tale they're ha- trying to have that like paranormal activity sort of thing because like sure. those two people. Like they're good in that movie. I've never really seen them. I haven't seen them in anything else. Mm-hmm. I've only seen them in in that in the subsequent uh, sequels. Uh, but if you're gonna be in something, I'm like th- those movies, those movies are fucking great. They're so might fun. As well be a landmark movie like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It might have been, might as well have been a movie that has one of the greatest success stories of all time. Right. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I loved the. New, I'm such a mark for those movies specifically. I, I I love those. I loved the new one as well. Well, so that leads me to my next question. Then. Do you have a favorite subgenre? You know, is paranormal kind of the thing that gets you going, more likely to go see it? Um, you know, you say that horror isn't your number yeah. one. So what gets you into the theater? Now, because I feel like nowadays all the ones that are coming out are those sort of like, quote unquote, like elevated horror type things like the your, your Midsomars, which I love and... Uh, uh, you know, hereditary, Ari Aster. Right. Atmosphere driven. Yes. I think that's sort of what I'm going in for more now. Like, not necessarily ele- elevated horror, because I do think the term is annoying. Mm-hmm. But, like, if, if something just, like, sort of seems interesting, I'll be like, oh, like, I, I, I'll go to that. Like, I'm not, so, I'm not like the, I sort of missed the slasher genre. I, I came to Halloween kind of late, and that's kind of like the only one that I like. Mm-hmm. I guess I've seen the like um, the original. I did a hand gesture, <laughs> meaning um, Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street. I was trying to find the word, but I just had the glove in mind. At first, I thought you were just waving at me. I was, I was like, like "Hey, oh, okay, hi, George." <laughs> like those those ones, I haven't like really spent a ton of time with, but like you know, you'll you'll catch me watching something where it's like it's very like like half horror, half like 
thriller kind of like something set in a house like i mean not unlike this movie i'm like okay if that nothing scarier than something going down in your own fucking house you know like i think the scariest movie i've ever seen is the strangers a good one a good one very scary though very scary the only movie that i think i've ever like screamed at not from like a jump scare, but like just in genuine horror of what was happening. <laughs> like I was like so fucking scared watching it during the day. Oh man, it'll get you. That one will really get you. It's a good one, and there's great performances in it too. Uh, it's it rocks. It's it's. And I've only seen it one time, so <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Left an impression. Yeah, it was uh, uh, very very good. But like I don't know, concepts will get get you pretty far. Like interesting concepts, like that sure. first Purge movie. I was like, this is interesting. I was like, that's like an interesting idea. I don't think the first movie in the Purge franchise is like the one. Right. It, it sort of gets you to what the actual interesting idea of it is. Right. Being outside during the Purge. <laughs> Doing it the first one in the house is such a stupid idea <laughs> because it's happening all over the place. Don't you want to see what's going on outside? Right. Yeah, let's get a little variety. So in the next one, when they go outside, I was like, now we're talking. But every oh, yeah. sort of everyone <laughs> I've seen, I think I didn't see I didn't see the Forever Purge, and then I didn't see did I see Purge Election Year? I might have. Uh, I think every single one gets a little closer to like what I think the actual good idea. They're of, getting there. The, They're yeah, I was like, closer. okay, they almost got it. Like, or like, <laughs> okay, they took a step back with that one. Uh, you know, I'm like, yeah, sure. I do sort of want to hear about the political atmosphere uh, in in this uh, this world, but they're not quite not quite getting it. Yeah, but yeah, a good idea. I feel like will just get me into the theater. Or like, I feel like now all the ones that come out are like their legacy sequels. Now, like the new Scream. I mean, I love Scream anyway, but I loved the new Scream. I loved the new Candyman. I thought the new Candyman was really good, but I feel like the biggest thing that's going to get me is just an original cool idea boom high concept yeah. baby we love yeah. it yeah and uh, that defines this movie to a t we're talking 100%. today about barbarian from this very year 2022 our quickest pick movie yet beating out hubie halloween oh man <laughs> let me tell you something i don't know if it was just it came out at the right time in the pandemic I feel like the hardest I've laughed in like five years was at Hubie Halloween. That movie was hitting, man. It, <laughs> it was, was really hitting. They had something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the Sandman is back. He's back, baby. Uh, and I just, I loved it. I thought it was so funny. Like, I was like crying laughing watching it. Ryan Rosenberg came on to talk about that one. And like. The best. When he picked it, I was like, I'm so excited to revisit this movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like really glad that it got picked. It's so funny. It's it's, really it's great. It's great. I think I think he might have done it. It might be a, a new Halloween classic. I think so. I you know when Halloween passed this year and I realized I hadn't watched rewatched Tubi Halloween. I was kind of sad. Yeah. Now you got to do it next year instead. I got I got to watch it <laughs> twice next year. <laughs> but yeah, th- so this was directed by Zach Kreger, uh, another in the recent line of sketch comic to horror director pipeline. Yeah, uh, famously a member of the very funny group, the Whitest Kids You Know. Whose Abraham Lincoln sketch was genuinely formative to me growing up. I wow that that whole series. I feel like I somehow missed them. Wow, which is weird because like I had cable, I had all the tools. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> Mr. Police gave, uh, gave me all the clues, <laughs> but I some I somehow missed them, and I don't know, I don't know what it was or why, and it's honestly like a a regret. I would, I mean, I guess I could just go watch them. I don't know where they're streaming. <laughs> 
Yeah, it was, you know, it's funny because uh, them and uh, Derek Comedy were, like, right around the same time. Yeah. And I so fucked with it, Derek, yeah, yeah, for sure. A lot, of, a lot of great stuff, a lot of great sketch comedy coming out, when I and I was, like, right at the right time. And so, you know, I was really stoked when people were like, oh, this guy directed a horror movie. I was like, yeah. boom, perfect, we're in I there. Will, yeah, I will say, I, I mean, I missed their sketch comedy, but having heard that he did this, made me more interested to see the movie anyway. I was yeah. like, oh, well, like, that's interesting. I, what, a, what a story. I, I, I you know, uh, everybody's doing this now. How do I get to do this? <laughs> yeah, where, where's my uh, comic yeah. to, to a horror movie pipeline? Yeah, please. He did also co-direct Miss March in 2009 with co-whitest kid Trevor Moore, R.I.P. Yes. Yeah, may he rest. But besides that, this solo debut kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. And he said... I read The Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker, and it advises people how to better protect themselves against threats. And a portion of the book encourages women to honor their inner subconscious alarm system around indicators that men give off, like interjecting non-sexual physical touch when it's not asked for. By themselves, they're not nefarious, but in concert, they can be a warning system that you're with a dangerous person. And I knew that men and women have different experiences of interacting with strangers, but I didn't let it marinate until I read this book. And so I just started writing late at night one night in my garage, and I wanted to write a scene just for myself. I wasn't trying to write a movie. I just wanted to have fun creating something like I used to do when I was a little kid. And it just started with this one scene. I didn't outline anything. I just kind of followed my nose and unearthed the dinosaur, as Stephen King would say. You know, he has that analogy about writing, Mm -hmm. like you're an archaeologist and you're digging up bones and you don't know what bone you're going to find next. And in, So he says that he wanted to just stuff as many red flags that a man wouldn't think twice about, but that every woman would recognize into this one scene. And what a perfect setting for it. This sort of like... Yes. The conflict of the double-booked Airbnb. It's just such a unique thing, so timely, and and provides such a fertile environment for it. And that's interesting, too, because, I mean, watching the movie... In the, in, in the beginning part of the movie, uh, you know, when, you know, she turns up at the Airbnb and somebody's already there, it, it the clown, Pennywise the clown. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is like a scary idea. And like all the things that were happening, I was like, well, this is a mistake. This is a huge mistake. Just watching it, knowing it's a horror movie. This was the scariest part of the movie to my girlfriend. She was like, this is a fucking nightmare. This is awful. <laughs> it is. And, you know, he says that he didn't know where it was going. But yeah. he wrote the movie you think you're watching, that yes. Keith is the bad guy, but he said that the giant naked lady comes out and smashes his head, and I said, now this is more interesting. <laughs> yes, yes. This there's, this movie has so many interesting, cool things going for it yeah. that it's like, part of the reason I picked it, I was just sort of like, there's, and I'm sure we'll probably end up talking about this quite a bit, but like, it's one thing to have like a new idea, right? Like, a lot of these movies that come out now, you sort of like I've seen shades of this before. I've like I've I mean I've seen a bunch of other movies like or like or it's like an, a, it's an it's an established IP, right? These are the movies that come out. For an idea to come out and have it be like new and interesting, and then also scary, mm-hmm. is like two different spinning plates that you're trying <laughs> to keep in the air. It's like such a it's such a magnificent feat to me mm-hmm. that I'm sort of like I don't know how how you can actually do this. Like it boggles my mind to think that one person was responsible for this idea you know yeah definitely and i think that part of the reason that it works is because it does sort of function as 
two mirror images that converge. Yes. Where he talks about, you know, the first part of the movie is about a woman being hyper aware and her brain is working overtime to categorize behavior and assess threat. But then the inverse is AJ, a predator with no awareness. Yeah. And so having these two images that then have to interact and the sort of theme of who you put your trust in and, and leveraging like workplace relationships and stuff to abuse trust, it just works in such a unique and clever way. It really is something, something special. To that point, too, like that there's so many things in this movie that I think if the movie was worse, would it make the choice that you would see coming? Mm. Right? Like, I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead. I guess in the story of the movie, but like the very end of the movie, they, you know when they're on the the um the what do you call it silo yeah the silo yeah uh, that's a moment for AJ to have a come to Jesus moment realize that he's been fucked up this whole time that he's like done a lot of bad things and save this woman that's in distress and the hard right that he takes into not doing that is so fucking funny yes. And but like and and awful, obviously like horrific and like and, and messed up. And then he gets his comeuppance in that in the moment after that. But if the movie was worse, he would have done the opposite thing because he does what he does. It's exciting and interesting and subverts the expectation of the viewer uh, and makes the movie a little like you just never know. You never see him coming. You're watching. You're. It's like you're in a boxing match and you're focused on this guy's fucking right hook, and he keeps ja- and you're and then he jabs you with the left and you're shocked. You're like, That's excuse right. me. Yeah, I, I think it is really interesting. It's almost like cathartic in a way because it feels so much more truthful. Yeah, you know, this guy, he like he questioned his morality for like one second. 10 minutes ago and then you're like this leopard is not changing his spots that quickly no and so it makes a choice that that you're right we don't expect it as movie audiences but once it happens we're like that feels so much more in line with how it might actually play out despite all of the uh, hyper (laughs) hyper sensational stuff that's happening around it yes and like you know you have to then remember too that like this is a man who obviously like assaulted somebody right yeah and like and then they have to have the scene in there so it's very cut and dry that you do know that he did do this it's not just an allegation right when he's at the bar and it says oh yeah well you know it took she took some convincing uh which is no at first uh, yeah but she came around like Uh, that's still you know the language of a rapist yes right Especially someone who is in a position of power like that, you know, exactly he is the the director or whatever. So, so not only is he this guy, he's also somebody who you know we saw somebody have a similar experience to him find this underground weird dungeon. Instead of being scared, he gets out a fucking measuring tape, <laughs> and is like, "This is good for me." Right? He's stoked. Can this I is great. Add this to the square footage. Yeah. <laughs> So every time he's presented with an opportunity to not make the situation better because he's already done something unforgivable. Right. But he has an opportunity to reflect on what's actually going on. Sure. He's like some kind of growth. Exactly. He doesn't do that in, I think, the funniest way possible. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, well, we'll get to it. But. Yes. <laughs> 
Zach said that there were a lot of no's before they finally found someone to uh, help them with the budget for this. They yeah. raised some independent financing. And then tragedy struck. He said, like the day of my going away to Bulgaria party, the producer yeah. died. And our movie was essentially scrapped. Yeah. That next day was a Saturday. And Roy Lee, our producer, sent the script to the good people at New Regency and was like, this movie needs rescuing. Read this, and if you like it, get on a Zoom today with the director and talk to him. And on that Zoom, they said yes, and they pulled us from certain death, and they didn't mess with the script. They were like, we get it. You're about to go shoot. All good. The script is cool. Go make that movie. Huge, huge deal for them to like rescue this. He like yeah. he is, has talked over and over again about how grateful he is that this was literally on the brink of collapse and then got s- saved at the last second. And for them to do that and not, like he says, leverage that into making whatever cuts or whatever they wanted. Yeah, we'll save your movie, but we're going to change it so the allegations are false and the woman was lying. And we're going to change it so that, you know, uh, it works out for this guy. Right. Very, he's very easy to see a, a world where that did happen. But, oh, for uh, sure. Yeah. But, but I'm glad they got to, he got to stay true to his vision. And it's, I didn't know, I didn't know that. That's really cool. Yeah. Obviously, an unfortunate. Uh, circumstance uh, to be in but then have somebody just be like yeah go make it like yeah. it sounds great come Definitely back with it when cool. you're done yeah <laughs> not not a typical hollywood story no right right um, we also have georgina campbell as tess i did not realize she was english until i watched the panel with everyone so oh good accent. this is this is me learning that <laughs> yeah <laughs> she was fantastic yes it's really really great she does such a great job of like all of the body language stuff that she has to do, all of the nonverbal communication is so clear and so well communicated. It's it's just spe- it's spectacular performance. And she has my favorite line in the movie that we'll get. I'm sure we'll get to later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she said she wasn't familiar with Kreger, but her boyfriend happened to be a big fan. Wow. And she said, I was trying to tell him about the script over the phone and sounded like an insane person. He was going, <laughs> what are you saying? That doesn't make any sense. This sounds awful. <laughs> and I was saying, no, no, no. It's really good. I'm not explaining it properly. And then he asked who the writer was. And I said it was Zach Kreger. And he immediately said, oh, well, you should do this film because he's amazing. So he was a big reason I said yes. So there you go. Truly, the whitest kids you know did help this movie become what it was. I got to watch this. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, I gotta find it. I gotta, I'm sure it's out there somewhere. It's out there. IFC had it. That was the last I heard. <laughs> that means it's um, streaming nowhere, so. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> Get some DVDs off eBay. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's what I need. More DVDs. <laughs> we do get Justin Long as AJ. I personally have been a Justin Long apologist for a long time. Accepted came out and was the movie about college for my yeah. age group, and then Dodgeball too. I loved on. Accepted. I here's the thing about Justin Long. I don't think we need to be apologists for him wow. because I think we can just be stands. Because yeah. I think every time, every time he pops up in something, you're always like, "All right, let's rock." Like this, <laughs> this dude's great. He's great he in is. everything. He is. He, he's never like. I think he genuinely picks like interesting things. Yes, Youth in Revolt. Great, yes. fun movie. But even like the Kevin Smith stuff, like, Tusk. like I don't think Tusk is like good, but I think it's cool that he's in Tusk. It's like, do you fun. know what I mean? I think it's fun. I, I look. I mean, it's doing That's fine. its human centipede thing. It's yes. it's not the best movie I've ever seen. Not even no. the best Kevin Smith movie. 
But no. he's getting to be this like dogma, fun, right? sleazy. Yeah, <laughs> of course it's dogma. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's getting to be this great sleazy podcaster character. Yes. Uh it's a lot of fun. He gets to do a lot of stuff. He's also definitely the best part of Live Free or Die Hard. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's he fucking he rocks. Yeah. He's he's so good in like uh Galaxy Quest. He's in Galaxy Quest? Oh, yeah, he is. He's in everything. He's yeah, good. He's I think great. and I think it's cool that he's like it seems like the online conversation about this movie is that everybody is like, hey, let's give Justin Long his flowers. And like, yeah. Oh, yes. All right. Let's do All it. Right. All right. I'm switching from apologist to Stan. <laughs> You're a Stan. We'd love to see it. <laughs> and also, he seems like a nice guy in that I was watching, like I said, that panel. And mm-hmm. they were like, oh, and by the way, the person who played the mother is in the audience. And he immediately was like, oh, like, get up here. Here's my seat. Like, oh, man. He Hell yes. him up. It was great. And Zach said, Justin is a charming actor who brings a lot of inherent charisma and an openness to the role. People are inclined to like and trust him, and that makes the character of a sexual predator more insidious. I'd guess that a lot of the most successful predators are charming and likable people, and that's why they're able to get away with horrible things. Mm -hmm. And in that way, he perfectly encapsulates uh, sort of this charming sleazebag he's got something to that like he's like he was really able to like access something uh in his performance of that and it was so like i don't know i think it's maybe one of my favorite performances of the year it's really great yeah zach and also zach but zach cooperstein from uh the he's the cinematographer they worked very closely together and uh, and and zach the cinematographer is a big time planner Craiger said he had this process that really worked for me where we would go to the location weeks in advance and talk through every single shot, and we photoboarded. We picked the lenses and the angles and everything. Weeks out, we knew exactly what we were doing. All I had to do when I showed up on set was make sure it looked right and talk to the actors. There was no hand-wringing and planning. All of that was already taken care of. That was something I'm going to take with me. If I ever get to make another movie, I will do that again. And I can see how that would be super freeing to just communicate more about the performances and not have to worry about all of the stuff that is facilitating those yeah because if you have your shots picked out all you have to really be on set doing is being like okay like i don't think we got it with this one let's let's get another take going not not oh you know what we should try to let's do the camera this way instead because like that's i'm sure you know Time uh, I'm speaking. Sure. I'm speaking like I have made a bunch of movies. <laughs> I think it's yeah. That shit's hard. <laughs> that to me is it's the stuff that I that you got to move around. <laughs> yeah, that's like that's the stuff that I'm like I have no like frame of reference for any of that stuff. So like having it done early, I'm sure is great. Yeah, Cooperstein also said that the visual style was quote Fincher upstairs, Raimi downstairs, and angst for the flashback. That's really interesting to me. I think that you can definitely see all of those things. Angst mm-hmm. in particular is a very interesting choice, and it definitely comes across in terms of waiting for the shoe to drop with the Fincher stuff. But he also said that the idea is that there would be motivated camera movement in sync with the characters. Mm. So it wouldn't be too obtrusive at first, and I think that that's very well done, until they go downstairs and you start getting these faster cuts, push-ins, angle shots, more stylization, and it does help to really kind of split the movie in half in in a way that works so effectively. There is also like those shots that were like almost like body cam height sort of right where it's like not like PO I guess they sort of are like POV shots but like I feel like sometimes in a POV shot you don't see somebody's arms doing stuff. Mm-hmm. They looked like a first person shooter kind of. Yeah. Camera and I was like that's like such an interesting like I don't know. You don't see that that much. Yeah. So I was like that's like uh, the, like this movie 
not only has like an interesting story, an interesting scary thing, it has interesting visuals as well. Like even the the way the flashback stuff is shot is so unsettling for some reason. Yeah, super saturated. Yeah, I was like, this is like every. I mean, it's just funny how many different vibes there are in the movie, and they <laughs> all they're all different, but they all hold together very well. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. He said another big influence for Zack was Takashi Miike's audition, which he calls its biggest spiritual ancestor thanks to the same subversive structure and themes of sexual aggression and male privilege. And he said, it's also terrifying. I saw it in my basement when I was a teenager, and it tricked me. It lulled me into thinking it was one movie, and then it punched me in the face. I felt betrayed and violated by it. I went through an experience that was deeper than watching a movie. It was so fun and radical and exciting. I love the idea that movies can be Trojan horses. And I think that's exactly what this is. You know, over and over again, people talked about go into it without knowing anything. You know, don't don't look anything up before you see this movie. And I think that going into it as blind as possible and not knowing about these twists does let you, you know, it's not like it gets so crazy. Like people talked about Malignant and that goes off the the rails Mm -hmm. in a way that I think this maybe doesn't. But I don't think that that's a slam on this. It's more that just like you get to fully get swept up in the style and story of the first half. And then when the floor drops out on you, you get to really get the the feeling in the pit of your stomach of dropping, you know, not. Yes. Not have the foreknowledge. I was a a person who heard don't know anything about the movie before going into it. And so I avoided as much as I possibly could. I had heard that there was a monster, but I was sort of like, oh, well, I could have maybe inferred something was off if the movie was called Barbarian. I watched the trailer after I saw the movie, and I was sort of like, this trailer is insane if you've seen the movie. Is it? I actually haven't watched it. I think it's like they show you as much as they can without showing you Mm. anything or like much, but the stuff that they're showing you without context doesn't give you anything. But with context, you're like, I can't believe they showed this. <laughs> wow, that's really funny. It's that. really, really good. It's a good trailer. The trailer works for you a little better if, yeah, if you've seen it. <laughs> so they spent two days in Detroit, one day in LA with a few days of prep leading up to it for the scene going down the Pacific Coast Highway, mm-hmm. and then 31 days in Bulgaria. They said there was a studio they shot at for one day, but mostly they started from scratch in a field where an agricultural lab did research on tomatoes. And they built a set or a bunch wow. of sets there and facades in the area. You can actually see the like walls of the laboratory when she walks out and she like looks across the street during the daytime. Yeah. Between the houses is like the walls of the lab. But he, I only realized that because he pointed it out. I would never have noticed That's that. That's so funny. It. But it's also like if you did notice it, it kind of fits the vibe like a little bit. Like, oh, sure. yeah, like this weird neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, this like dilapidated neighborhood, and there's also just like a factory over there. <laughs> yeah, dude, yes. He also said when they built the set, they did do flyaway walls for ease of movement, but also had a rule about practical camera work. There's only one shot where the camera is in a place that it couldn't actually go with the intention of creating a set that didn't feel like one, which was mm. a set that they had. But he also, so this is another quote from him. He said, trying to make it feel as real as possible was a challenge because the house is an Airbnb. And Airbnbs don't feel lived in. No. It was hard to give this house more character to make it feel less like a set when the space isn't really supposed to feel lived in. And that has got like, that wasn't something that occurred to me. 
but it yeah. is such a fine line to ride and they do a great job of kind of like the cool neutral tones and stuff i was gonna say yeah like because every airbnb nowadays is kind of like the same right like you're just kind of in a different spot but it all has like the sort of like same kind of like neutral like right they, no, the nobody wants mansion. yes like nobody wants to really impose their actual taste on it unless there's like a hook to the airbnb like i know somebody that just stayed at one that was like it's called like the doodle uh, airbnb like here like in la or something and like it has all these like drawings on the walls and cool. stuff and it's like very interesting and weird but like otherwise i feel like they're all neutral on purpose because nobody wants to like you know they're not gonna put like trump stuff like in their airbnb because <laughs> like they want people to book the airbnb right right exactly. uh so like i feel or you know reverse is also true like they're not gonna sure. put like we hate trump stuff like in here because they want people trump to stay at their airbnb rent airbnbs <laughs> yes exactly that's the only example that i could come up with and i don't know why <laughs> they're neutral they're not gonna put seashell stuff because some people hate the beach <laughs> yes exactly some people are in yeah. landlocked states they don't even they right. get scared if they saw that right uh, what is this? <laughs> Where did this come from? Ocean scented soaps. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this is a really important balance in the same way that Keith has to feel dangerous and welcoming at the same time. The house itself is so representative of the story, the themes, the characters all play into this idea of something seductive being terrifying and dirty underneath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that idea sort of works for me on two levels because, like, yeah, like I'm always a little nervous about how clean an Airbnb is actually. Right. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah, like they all sort of seem clean, but like, what happened here last time? Sure. Like, like what, someone who has partied in an Airbnb. Yeah, I know what goes on there. Exactly. No. Uh, yeah. Same. Like, I was like, <laughs> yeah, hmm, yeah. I've been in Airbnbs before. <laughs> I've behaved a certain way. What happened here last time? Um, and then, like, but the, to expand on that idea, then and be like, actually, underneath all of this is is it's much worse <laughs> than somebody having like ten beers and like sleeping on the floor. Yeah, right. I thought that was as bad as it got. It was yeah, little, some beer spills. <laughs> Anna Drubik, the composer, only had three weeks to score the whole movie. She did great. There's a lot of fun moments, like going into the secret door has a really fun score moment that stuck mm-hmm. out to me. But then it was released finally on September 9, 2022, and word of mouth carried it forward over $43 million on a $4.5 million budget. It is also amusing to me that this became a Disney movie after they bought 20th Century Fox. Yes. I'm really glad that they didn't just like put it on a shelf forever because it doesn't feel like a Disney movie. No. is do you, So the mother is a Disney princess. Wow. And that's huge. That is huge. We got to get like Disney Princess Dark Universe. Like, yeah, like, I, I I love Ripley that for her. I think it's great. Yeah. You know, she's had a rough go. Right. I think that's. I think she's earned it. Right. The Xenomorph Queen from Aliens is. Disney she's there too. Uh, who else? Who else? Um, um, hmm. Mm, Just know. them. That's. I mean, that's that's two good ones. <laughs> yeah, I like to see them hanging out. What were they buddy, talking about? We got a buddy cop movie and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That tiny little mouth taking a sip of a bottle. From the- <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into the actual movie. Yes. Uh, it's pouring rain outside 476 Barbary Street as a car pulls up. Scores creepy right away. It sounds like these screaming women. 
Uh, it is also a very cool transition through the window as Tess makes a run for it to the door of her Airbnb while ignoring calls from Marcus. I would have just answered the phone. <laughs> that's, a, that's you know, then the movie's over. Right. But, you know, I, I but it, it, that's all to imply that her, you know, that's probably an ex or something, right? That's right. like... She talks about having to get out of a bad situation, so... Yes, uh, so she's, like, not there for it. She's just right. kind of uh, getting... Yeah. Right. Get out of here, Marcus. Yeah, just gonna tr- clear her head in an Airbnb. Exactly. She has this job interview. Yes. Uh, apparently, there are some fun coincidences that tie into the title, even though Zach says he didn't know any of them. Specifically, that 476 is the year Rome fell to the barbarians. That's interesting. That's crazy. I also saw people saying barbarian is an anagram for Airbnb, and it is, but only if you also pull out two extra A's, which feels a little tenuous to me. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I, I had heard that, but then I also, this was probably is intentional. Barbary. Yes, right. Street. Right. And then the creature. Or if you are of Barbary, mm-hmm. you are a barbarian. Sure. And also... Uh, Justin Long's character is is a, a bit of a barbarian. Yes, well. that's true. There's a lot going on. The title, the title alone, it's good. You got me. It's, it's good. Evocative. It's evocative. Gets the people going. <laughs> you go. That is, I was sort of like, what is barbarian? I want to know. That sounds yeah. cool. Right. It's it's only it's so it's more tied to like the themes and stuff than it is to anything that's on like the immediate surface. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's cool. Uh, there's no key in the lockbox though, and the peppy voicemail message feels. So patronizing and unhelpful at the best of times. Yes. Absolute but, nightmare. Yeah, I hate yeah, look, this is not this is not anything new. Hate talking on the phone. <laughs> it's a nightmare. Ugh. And doing these like uh, voicemail robot, like all of this stuff is truly a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but suddenly a light in the building turns on. What the hell? It's Billy Skarsgard is Keith. Apparently, yes. it was listed on two different platforms, and they both rented it for the same night. Bill Skarsgård, also really, really incredible in this, really leveraging his it persona to, you know, become this this interesting character. That And so that's when I was sort of like, back to sort of like, if this movie was worse, he would be the bad guy in this movie. He would right. be the, because you're sort of like, oh, it's him, it's it. Right. <laughs> I saw the movie with him last time. He was yeah, you're like, I know he's bad, <laughs> but the fact that he's not is good. Like it's like it's it's because it plays with your expectation as an audience member a little bit. You know, audiences are dumb. Like I, I'm watching this movie and I'm like, oh great, it's here. I'm fucking scared now. I know he's up to no. I know this guy's up to no good, knowing full well that he is not it. Right, right. But he look, look. I know he's the guy though. He's the guy. So I'm like, okay, like if you, if this movie's called Barbarian and you cast this guy who I've seen do crazy things with his real face, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. cause like he, he's got the Pennywise like big head thing on, but like the stuff that he does with his eyeballs, that's not CG. He's doing that for real. Yeah. I'm like, this guy's a freak. Cheekbones and everything. Exactly. He's very, uh, where is his family from? Are they Scandinavian or something? Yes, I believe I'm from somewhere over there. Sweden? I think Sweden. Yeah, they're Swedish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, there's these all these guys are freaks. All the scars guards. Yeah. Uh yeah. but the fact that he's sort of like a normal man is <laughs> really funny. <laughs> and they, I mean, he is very relatable when she's like, What am I supposed to do? 
And he's like, I want so badly to not get involved with this. Like, it's yes. so late. He's just like, I, I don't know. What are you going to do? Like, <laughs> He does a couple things afterward that I'm sort of like, oh, God, no. Mm-hmm. Which then plays into, like, the horror of it, I'm sure. But Right. And, but we do get this cool transition to the title card. There's little roaches crawling around on the wallpaper and the letters. Again, sort of the rot within. Yes. And they, they settle in a bit. And she's like, I guess I'm going to just go call around for a hotel in my car. But he's like, look, the neighborhood isn't great. Why don't you chill here? And after a moment's hesitation, she agrees. And, yeah, like you said, sort of these red flags start to build up. He awkwardly compliments her name. And then he offers her tea. And then he says, oh, there's actually some wine here, just saying. And all of these in conjunction do start to feel like pressure starting to build. Yes. You're put on her side. You feel the uncomfortability. It's really great. There's that. And then there's also this sort of like overcorrecting that he does, too, that is like kind of bad. Mm -hmm. Where he's like, oh, yeah, you probably don't like want to drink this because you don't know me. Right. Hey, like, I haven't opened this bottle of wine yet. You can watch me open it and pour you some if you'd like. Right. That is, like, it's him being, like, nice. He's being, it's self-conscious. He's he's aware of what it seems like. Yes, but, like, if you're aware of what it seems like, <laughs> it's gonna seem like that. Exactly. Too, exactly. you know what I mean? So, yes. it's just, like, it's just a little too, uh, you know, doth protest too much, sort yes, of. Yes, exactly. And it turns out there's some medical convention in town, so rooms are gonna be scarce. So Keith proposes she stay there. He'll take the couch. In the morning, they'll call these idiots and get a refund. Boom. Free stay for both. The way he says these idiots is very funny to me every time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he really does have like a like put a little stank on it for sure. (laughs) He sure did. He sure did. (laughs) She takes a picture of his ID after he leaves the wallet in the room. And honestly, it is a relief just to see that his name actually is Keith. (laughs) Yes. Like, okay, that's good. That was the first moment where I was sort of like, oh, maybe this isn't what I think. Right. She emerges from the kitchen. He's uh, doing the overcorrection with the wine bottle, staring blankly. They're cleaning the sheets for her. And he was going to have some, but I didn't want to open it without her in the room in case she wanted to because she didn't drink the tea, which I totally get. Fuck, I'm rambling. Yeah. She declines, but then she does open up a bit. She's in town applying for this research position for a Catherine James documentary. And oh, wow, he happens to have seen this obscure jazz documentary she did last year. How coincidental. Yes. So scary to me for some reason. Like, <laughs> like because it's like such a big coincidence that it's like, you know, you're watching a horror movie. So you're like, oh, like he's fucking stalked her somehow. Yes. <laughs> and like knows everything about her somehow. Right. How does he know that she was coming in for this? Yeah. Is he like a supernatural being of some kind? Like, I don't know what the, I don't know what the movie is. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you, yes. You know, this could be anything. Again, partially just from the title. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't tell you anything. So. Exactly. And so, like, when that was a reveal, I was like, oh, yuck. <laughs> she says that this new one is going to be about artists who live on the fringe of Detroit where, quote, the houses are basically free. And he's like, Oh, by the way, I'm one of the founders of the famous art collective, The Lion Tamers. Do we think that's the best name they could have come up with? Hmm. (laughs) The the Lion Tamers? This art collective, I guess it wasn't the art of naming themselves. No, yeah. (laughs) They're too too close to it. I guess so. I guess so. But it does finally crack the shell. She has some wine and the body language is a lot looser. She says that she was getting out of this abusive relationship. And there's a lot of loaded language here about... I need to just stop going back. 
And why is it always the girls who get their hearts ripped out in these things? Mm-hmm. But they're having some laughs getting the duvet cover on. Things do get a little awkward again when he lingers. Yeah. Doesn't he say something like, hey, wi- girls rip out hearts too? Right. I was like, okay, so what actually is going on? Right. Here? Oh. That to me was like, oh, He's actually line. enraged. Yeah. <laughs> she wakes to a weird scream, hiss, and the door is open. And you're like, oh, how'd that happen? She walks out to find Keith grunting, whimpering, and yelping, as per the closed captions. <laughs> <laughs> He's grunting, whimpering, and yelping. Those were the three. That's so good. Really scary. Mm-hmm. I feel like, did she lock the door when she went to sleep? She locked it the first time when she was like getting changed and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't remember if she had she the did. thought to... I don't yeah. think she did, right? Right. And, yeah. I, and I think it was the mother. Like That first hiss sounds like her, not like yes. the yells that he's doing. Exactly. It's, it's creepy. It's really creepy stuff. Ugh. And she shakes him awake, and he's terrified, which is very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Did you open my door? Yeah, a horrifying thing to wake up to, certainly. <laughs> like, you're being shooken awake. You're freaking out in your sleep anyway. Yeah. You're having a bad night of sleep. Somebody's shaking you. Did you open my door? <laughs> You'd be so scared. Yes, absolutely. And she she goes back in. She's like, okay, fine, go back to sleep. And she does lock it this time and tests. <laughs> Big jiggle of the handle there. Yeah, you gotta. You gotta. He's gone in the morning, but he left a note saying he'd be back that evening. She finally gets a good look at the neighborhood, and it's covered in graffiti. Places are falling apart. It's not ideal. She looks at his picture on her phone kind of fondly, but suddenly it's the interview, which Mm -hmm. goes well. uh, Although the documentarian is like, hey, you shouldn't be there. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. She's like, that place is like, is bad. Yeah. But she gets back to the house and somebody else rushes her screaming, hey, little girl, get out of that house. Another another moment where you're sort of like, God, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Because that person doesn't stop her at first, right? Like, it's just like yelling at her, like sort of sees her and then starts immediately running toward her. Right. Terrifying. And, Terrible. And she, she runs into the house. <laughs> yeah. The key is not there. Right. Or is that later? No, that's there. Yeah. That's yeah. So the key is not there, so she can't get back in, and she gets back in some other way, right? I, mean, uh, I think she like cr- climbs through a window or something. That's right. Exactly yeah, how, but but she gets back in, and it's like, what the hell? And when she calls the cops, they're like, "Sorry, we're busy." Don't even get me started. <laughs> <laughs> These motherfuckers are yeah, so the biggest babies on earth, the biggest <laughs> scaredy cats of all time. <laughs> I need a fucking uniform to feel strong. Get the Truly fuck out comical of here. in this movie. I think <laughs> they do a really funny and good job of depicting uh, the uselessness, the exact competency of a real police officer. <laughs> <laughs> so the the search for toilet paper brings her to the basement. Yes, and the door closes and locks her in with no phone, and she's she's got the key to the exterior door, which is so it's a conundrum to be sure. Yes. But yes. Uh, and I was like, the door of the house isn't supernatural, but the door sort of closed on its own. So at first I was sort of like, is this a ghost house? But I think it's just like an old house and the door just closed. <laughs> yeah. It's also, it's, uh, you know, it's Detroit. Things get cold. The doors contract. Mm-hmm. Things are moving. I agree. I think it's just a natural old house stuff. Yeah. Nothing, nothing too crazy there, but. Inconvenient. 
<laughs> Especially when you find out what else is going on. That's right, yeah. While poking around, she does find this rope pulley system that opens up a hidden door. Terrifying. So funny when she's like, nope, and just sits her ass back down. Yeah. Well, have you played Silent Hill 2? Yes. The One of the things that I think is very scary to me in general is there's a part in Silent Hill 2 where you go, you keep going down. Like you're like, you're in this building and you keep going down and down and down. And then you get to, it's like a graveyard. Right. But it's underground and you're like in a room. But there's a graveyard there, and then you have to go into this hole. <laughs> Classic James Sunderland shit. <laughs> it's so fucking scary to me because it's like it's not supposed to be. That's not supposed to be there. You're already several feet, you're several stories down, yeah. And then now there's this hole in the ground that you're like, I'm already in a hole. Yeah. This to me, this pulley system was hole adjacent to me, <laughs> where I was sort of like, this is so fucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you want me to what? <laughs> pull on this thing never in a million years that was already mistake number one yeah yes no no <laughs> it's like a stone door i'm out no that's right you find a resident evil bejeweled key and you're just like no thank you yeah, Put it's it absolutely down. <laughs> not any key that is long i'm not going anywhere near that thing <laughs> whatever that unlocks i don't want to see it not interested <laughs> and also, structure-wise, exactly 30 minutes in, which I, I you know, classic yeah. act one situation, and we get this dynamic shift. But eventually, Curiosity does get the best of her, and she sets up this little, like, mirror setup to reflect a bit of light. She enters to this pulsing score, very cool, very effective stuff. Mm -hmm. And the first thing she comes to is a door, which opens up to a room with a filthy, blood-soaked cot, cement walls, and a video camera. There's also a blood handprint on the wall. It's not not a great. This is no wonder they didn't include that on the Airbnb listing. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> the scariest thing you could find until you go further. Um, right. like, like, <laughs> but like, if you had just found that, that's enough to ruin your entire life. Yeah, for sure. That's <laughs> that's scarring for for life for sure. <laughs> and suddenly there's this knocking. It's just Keith though. And he does help her escape, but he's like, what the fuck are you talking about secret basement passages? And is generally dismissive. Yes. He goes from dismissive to then being like, okay, well, like, I have to see. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. I think of his, like, sort of bad traits. And he's, like, mostly, like, a good guy. Right? Mm -hmm. I was like, that is the most relatable thing <laughs> I've seen thus far. You're saying what to me? You saw You saw something crazy? I gotta go see what this is. <laughs> you saw something so crazy that you want to leave. Yeah. I need to also see it before I leave. For sure. Yeah, not that I don't believe you. <laughs> I gotta see this for myself. I'll always wonder otherwise. I'll yes, exactly. Wonder. And that is maybe worse mm, than so what I could what what I could even see. But Well, TBD, because yeah. it doesn't go so great for him. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, fine, I'm gonna leave. He asks yeah. her to just let him go look and wait upstairs in case he gets locked inside, too. Yes. But his lack of communication draws her back down. She almost gets locked in again, which was really funny. And she like grabs the chair to prop it open and everything. Really good. Now, she has her phone. So the passage is well lit this time. And even more creepy that leads into the darkness. You know, I, for me, it's a real out of sight, out of mind thing where I would be like, don't don't light it. Just don't look. Yes. If you can't see it. 
it can't be that scary. Right. But if you can see some, no. <laughs> Big no. thumbs down. Big yeah, thumbs down. Absolutely not. Yeah. And it leads to a second staircase. Yeah. Truly horrible. How deep horrific. does it go? Ugh. When they were building the sets, Kreger was like, however long they gotta be so that I don't see the bottom of the stairs with the flashlight on. And it is appropriately terrifying. Yes. Yes. I think that's a universal fear. Sure. How could it not be? Of, uh, not just it's, it's not just me with the <laughs> yeah. hole. No. Big Very hole, scary. scary. Hole. No yeah. thanks. For sure. For sure. And then you got this faint yell for help from Keith at the bottom of the stairs, which is also terrifying. And Tess is understandably like, no, you come here. <laughs> yes. Because at this up until this point in the movie, it's still not 100% clear that Keith is normal and fine. Right. Right. Because he could have come back at just the, you know, coincidentally, the perfect time. Sure. Right? Like, oh, God, what's going on? What's going on? Oh, yeah, no, I have to go see. I have to go see. Not say anything. Lure you in and then kill you or something. That would be classic Keith. That would be classic. I mean, that's a Keith thing. <laughs> Every Keith I know has done that. <laughs> yeah. But because this movie, you know, zigs when you expect it to zag. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not what happens, and it's it's very cool. Uh, it's just it's great. Yeah, I I love it. She steals her nerves. She descends. We get a nice little tour of the place as she takes it in as well. Uh, there's a gate and cage with dog bowls stained with slop, and suddenly Keith is there and he's horrifying, and he says that there's someone else here and they bit him. Yes. Ugh. Hate that. Yeah. Ugh. I never. If anybody ever bites me, I swear to fucking god. Dude, cannibal shit really does, like, that's one of the things that still, like, really unnerves me, because... Yes. Everyone knows that's bad. Every, everyone knows it's bad, but also just, like, they're like, oh, like, you can't imagine, like, getting stabbed, because I was like, oh, I can imagine getting bit a lot easier. Yeah. Because I have cats. I Like, I am constantly biting things, because I have to I, eat all the time. I was I'm gonna say, bit. I bite every day. Yeah. <laughs> I do it several times a day. If I'm snacking, I'm biting, baby. Top five activity is biting stuff. <laughs> yeah, but like we don't call it biting because right. it's like it's not because so, it, biting is something you do to something right. like do or to someone. But like you don't you're not like I'm gonna go bite this hamburger. <laughs> you don't say that. I'm a little peckish. You want to come bite some hamburgers for lunch? <laughs> yeah. You're like I'll grab a bite. That's like something people say or whatever. Or can I have a bite of that? Because it's like an amount. Yeah. Sure. One mouthful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're not going to be like, oh, I was really biting some steak last night. Like, uh, you just don't say that. Dude, you should have seen the size of the steak I was biting. <laughs> <laughs> I love a T-bone. Yeah, it's a, it's alien sounding. It's sort of like <laughs> an alien pretending they know how, they, how we converse. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a delicious biting steak. I loved it. <laughs> It's very frightening. He tries to drag Tess the way he emerged from, and she is sobbing and saying, no, let's go for the exit. But before they can go anywhere, Mother emerges and smashes the fuck out of Keith's head. It's grody as fuck. She's grody as fuck. It's nasty. Awful, awful moment. Scream, cut to black. And the thing about Mother, now you gotta know, too, in this moment, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've seen this. Mm Mm-hmm. What really works with Mother in this moment, you see her for, like, one second. You, like, you really don't see much of her. You just sort of get the impression that she's very big and nude. And, like, that's it. And before you can really process what you've just seen, 
It is a hard cut to black and then the Pacific Coast Highway. It is such a funny cut. (laughs) The sweet sounds of Ricky Ticky Tabby, baby. It's 100%, I think, the only cut like a sketch comedian could make. Mm -hmm. Because that's using a cut as a joke. Mm -hmm. You know, the punchline of that horrific scene you just saw is the next scene. Yes, that's the Kuleshov effect to to a T, baby. Yeah. you're sitting there like, how are these going to interact? Yes. I I know that this has to come together in some way, but they seem so far removed from each other that you are so immediately drawn in in a suspenseful way that yes. you're willing to give it the time to then build this out. I had this improv coach years ago. Great man, Ali. He described like a good improv scene as like stretching like a rubber band and like you building the scene is stretching the rubber band and then the laughs come when the rubber band snaps. Sure. And like this is like a good exercise in that too where you're sort of like the rubber band snaps and you see the Pacific Coast Highway. Like it was, a, it's an exercise in tension, yeah. right? Like you're, you're stretching tension as far as it can go before there's a release and that's either, that comes in the way of like a, like a, a scare, you know, or it could be a joke, it could be a laugh or something. And in this case, it's sort of both. Yeah. And it's crucial, too, because yes, uh, eventually that rubber band will snap if you just keep pulling on it and people yes. will lose interest. They'll say you can't sustain this forever. Yes. And so you need to have that release. And, and, and they do a great job with it here, for sure. It's fantastic. Mother is played by Matthew Patrick Davis. And Kreger said... I knew I didn't want to do any computer effects. I wanted to go into this like, what did John Carpenter have at his disposal when he made the thing? That's what we get. We don't take anything else from that because I just hate when I see a CGI scare. It takes me out of it. I don't buy it. I really wanted to stay everything in camera. So I had to really, really rely on those guys to pull through. And I I think, you know, like you said, you don't get to really soak in mother to like just yet. And, you know, she kind of gets used judiciously throughout, but yes, boy, it's disgusting. <laughs> it's really gross, and but used to great effect, too. And like, you know, just it's 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 to the movie's benefit that it is a practical effect. Yeah, it would be 100 percent worse if it was CG. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe some things have to be CG or whatever. Who knows? I don't think so. Like. Sometimes it's true or whatever because it's easier or whatever, but sometimes just because it's easy doesn't make it correct. Right. It sucks that Iron Man's suit was practical and then became dots. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I it's just it's, it's just kind of like, uh, what are you going to do? Like a, right. Spider-Man, Spider-Man's suit is CG? Come on. Why? Come on. It's a piece of fucking cloth. <laughs> Dude, I mean, yeah, even like the landscapes, you know, you, you see these not just like shooting on a New York corner for like five minutes. Yeah. It's like, come on. Like, how much work? How much work? You cl- close that off for literally five minutes. You have the resources, Marvel. Yeah. It's so crazy. It is crazy. But like the flip side of that is when they make something practical. It's so believable. It's always good. Yes, <laughs> People yes. are always like, like it, it's Werner Herzog said the same thing to John Favreau and Dave Filoni about making baby yoda a puppet because they were good there was talk of them doing it cg having him be a fucking tennis ball or something and he was like make it a puppet you cowards (laughs) he's right that's look werner the man knows what he's doing he knows what he's talking about 
I watched him eat a shoe once. It was really remarkable. Yeah, there's yeah, there's a he like made a bet and uh, that like his like filmmaker friend wouldn't finish a film or whatever. And then he did this like big filmed eating of a shoe when he was like, this is to prove that you can do anything you put your mind to in his great German accent and everything. It was really a delight. That's so funny. And I mean, I love him, but that's what you get for being rude to your friends. (laughs) You're not going to finish. I'll eat my shoe if you do. Then he has to. And you know what? At least he followed through. I respect the man for doing it. Yeah, that's right. Nothing but respect. But yeah, boom, they pull the rug out from under us, and the guy who we were on tenterhooks about and expecting to be, like, the main antagonist of the movie is now killed 42 minutes in, and yes. you're like, whoa, there's a monster from The Descent in here. <laughs> yes. You're like, okay, nothing I... Now Now you can breathe a little more because there is comfort in knowing you don't see... You don't know what's coming, Yeah, right? Like, there is, like... I mean, obviously, that's scary on its own, too, but, like, because... Your preconceived notion of what you thought was actually happening isn't actually happening now. You can sort of like relax and let the movie like show you what it's going to be and what it's going to do. Exactly. The reveal has started. Yes. You're sort of like, okay, I had no idea what was going on. I'm going to stop guessing and just enjoy the ride. (laughs) Justin Long immediately gets you in on the other side. He's stoked on life. He's singing. But he gets a call from his agent played by Kate Bosworth saying, yeah, right. Fun little cameo. That's fun. Yeah. He says that he's he's being accused of raping the star of the show, so the network is going to investigate, and basically he's fired, plus there's going to be a story in The Hollywood Reporter tomorrow. So he goes to check in with the accountant. The lawsuit is going to run around $140,000, which should bankrupt him in three months at the current rate of spending. He says you could sell some of those Michigan properties you rent out, but they don't really make you money. You got to sell the Hollywood home, and by the way, we're dropping you as a client. Just an absolute bomb <laughs> to get on the phone. But also, like, you know, horror is different to a lot of different people. And, like, the horror of doing something wrong and being rightfully called out for it, like, for some people is, like, the biggest horror that they could face. Mm-hmm. It's so, like, this modern horror of being, like, I'm going to be canceled <laughs> is so far, I think, the best depiction of that that i've seen in like you know in this world where like that's like a thing that happens now right you know right yeah they handled it really well it's really funny and he's in detroit now inadvisably traveling yes like (laughs) there's an investigation going on and he fucking leaves like without thinking about it because like he's like a you know he's a white man in a white man's world he's sort of like i'm just gonna go do whatever i want not really thinking about what that's gonna look like (laughs) okay you guys have fun here i'm going to michigan uh accusations are pretty serious i'm gonna go handle some business real quick like no (laughs) you gotta stay put dude so funny but he gets the keys to his rental unit 476 barbary what the hell? Doing. <laughs> oh man, it's great. Her car is still there, which he's surprised about, but nobody seems to be home. And he's like, "What the fuck? Whose shit is this? Why is the door open for the basement?" When he calls the rental service, they say it's been weeks since they rented it, and no new renters, no maid service, aka nobody to spot that something is an, is amiss. But Bonnie on the phone hangs up when AJ starts to swear, and it's really funny. Like, seeing him be pissed about all the evidence that anyone is there, like, smacking the open lockbox and shit, but... Yeah, throwing the laptop. Right. 
And even when you're like, oh, you know, it's just an accusation at this point. We don't know that he's as big of a scumbag, but you start to get these clues. Like, he's just yelling at this service person who's like, that's why would there be a maid there to clean up at like the yeah he's he's <laughs> mad at everything immediately yes <laughs> so you start to get that he's a, a bit of an asshole here mm-hmm. and she she hangs up on him as more red flags start to pile up like lying to his mom he uses a slur he's yelling at service people like i said yes it is remarkable how much justin long's natural charisma just combats hating him and making him acceptable as like a if not a protagonist, at least somebody to follow for this half of the movie. Yes, because like at this point, you don't ever, you don't, you still are like, okay, so now we're in this part. You're, we're we're watching this guy. Like you're, it's not abundantly clear how it relates, even though you are still like, you do know that it's his house. Mm-hmm. But he's such an aloof guy, kind of. I, I'm watching this, and I'm like, well, he doesn't know about this downstairs. Right. He has no idea. So I'm like, so he just can't be involved with that. So I'm like, okay, so like, what's actually going on? And then he just like, yeah, reveals more and more about his character. Like, yeah, like, yeah, he calls his friend the F word. Right. And it's like, he doesn't think that's bad. He tells then the story of, you know, like we were talking about earlier. Oh, she needed some convincing. Like, oh, he doesn't think that's bad. Right. His side of the story is as incriminating as the accusation itself. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, if he said that in court, they'd be like, okay, well, like, you're actually going to jail. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, 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 I thought you said not guilty, dude. That is, yeah. a, that is a guilty plea. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Also, I will say the guy he tells, the friend that he goes out to the bar with is director Zach Kreger. Yes, that's right. So there you go. And he's just out for a night. He comes back drunk, basically. Like, mm-hmm. like that's how little of little concern this is to him. Basically, like he knows that his life might be ruined, but he's still like, right. I'm gonna go out and party. Yeah. Oh, I'm back in town. The boys are back in town, baby. The boys are <laughs> back in town. Guess you just got Somebody back today. Call Finn Lizzie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Liz. The boys are back. Batting down the hatches. <laughs> The boys are back. <laughs> Shut down everything. <laughs> it's on the news. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. That broadcast that's supposed to play like when the world ends, yeah. but it's because the boys are back in town. <laughs> Guess who just got back today? Yeah. <laughs> Them wild-eyed boys who'd gone away. Just when you thought they were gone, too. <laughs> They're fucking back. They're back. God damn it. The song is actually about the horror of the boys returning. It's not that everyone's excited about it. There's like, get out. (laughs) You have to leave. Look, I'm always saying this. Get out of here, boys. Yeah. Hey, scram. Kick it. Hit the bricks. (laughs) Kick rocks. Yeah. But he does get back drunk. He calls his accuser. I'm sorry if I offended you, he says. Awful. This is so... they, they, They do a really good job because like, yeah, you have to combat Justin Long's natural charisma. He's doing bad stuff and he's saying bad stuff. And then the next moment, you're sort of like, he's like so fun to watch. You're like, this guy's so great. Uh, You're like, I hate this guy. I hate this character. But man, Justin Long's so good. So they have to really go out of their way in this movie to be like, everything that he does in regards to what he has done has to be the most incriminating and, and, and worst thing he could do. If you are a sane person, if you are a normal person who would see what he's doing and be like, well, he shouldn't be doing that. That's fucking bad. Mm-hmm. And he also shouldn't have done what he did. Right. Because I'm sure there are people who are similar to AJ who have you know done similarly and been like, 
Yeah, I would have called too. Like, right. because if I call, that's, you know, that's me sort of apologizing. Right. Oh, I'll, I'll even apologize again if you call back. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So bad. He's in rough shape the next morning, but he roots through the luggage, which includes a copy of Jane Eyre, which is, of course, a story about an insane woman trapped in the attic of a house, which is a funny little joke. <laughs> nice, nice classic literature joke. That one's for all the readers out there. All the Jane Eyre heads. Sound off. <laughs> that comes up in the movie theater and it gets like an endgame amount of applause. <laughs> yes! Brontes, we're all here. <laughs> United we stand. Hell yeah. Tess's laptop at least gives him a name, though. He goes to check the basement and, you yeah, you get these Raimi canted angles here looking up at him. Very fun shot as he threatens to unload on anyone down there. <laughs> oh, God. When it when you find out that he also has a gun, I was, like, crying laughing. I was like, this is so funny that he just has a gun. Oh, I don't think he does have a gun. I think he was he? faking. I think oh. he says, I have a gun and I'm going to unload on you. Just I think he does. Doesn't them. he have one? Doesn't he have one? La- or he finds one later. Right. Oh, wait. Yeah. Where? Oh, I don't know. Uh, but I guess when he did say that, I was like, oh, God, does he have a, <laughs> actually have a gun? I was like, he might. He would. You would absolutely believe that he yes. would be the kind of guy to just be walking around. With yeah. Him. I'm just going to unload. <laughs> he finds the setup that Tess left, and there's a thump from the wall. The passageway is closed, but he quickly finds the rope as well. And when he opens it up, he heads in, and Subversion is fucking stoked. Quickly Googles, can underground rooms be added to the square footage? It is so, so funny. This great Such a funny, a great, like, just a good joke. Like, just a rock solid good joke that, like, I haven't seen. I haven't, there hasn't been a laugh like that in a comedy I've seen this year, like, at all. Like, it was yeah. like, oh, was like, this is so, that's so fucking funny. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, what, what, it's that good, like, if this is true, what else is true? Sort of like, this guy's an asshole. This guy, like, is down on his luck like financially now because he's an asshole. Right. What is an asshole going to do when he finds extra space? He's going to be so excited about this. <laughs> he sure is. And it's so like the comparison between him and Tess and what she talks about earlier, she talks about men barreling through life. Mm-hmm. And she was so careful and cautious the whole time. And he just comes in and does the worst possible thing every time. Yes. <laughs> Like, doesn't have any real concern for the bloody mattress and the camera. Right. Like, I think he's like, ew. Like, he, like, he's <laughs> like, he thought he got some of it on him or something. <laughs> but, like, that's kind of it. And right. then any other person would see a dark, scary stairway mm-hmm. and be like, I'm not fucking going in there. We all right. saw it. And he's like, <laughs> Just like measuring, like he's like, I gotta measure. He and the further it went in the dark, he was like, it keeps going. Hell yes! Like he's like so excited. (laughs) Yes, every oh my god is of delight and not of terror. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, (laughs) he's like, it's like he was fucking Daniel Day Lewis in There Will Be Blood. He was like, oh good, I found more oil. Hell yes! Yes, won't destroy my life at all. (laughs) Yeah. You will believe me if I say I am a Detroit homeowner, sir. <laughs> <laughs> this is my partner, H.W., uh, <laughs> the mother. Oh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he uh, he goes in. We're building apprehension because we're like, oh, he's going to fall into the same exact trap. 
And finally, there's a glimpse of light, a little pink down one of the passageways. It's foul-smelling room with a TV playing a grainy breastfeeding instructional video. You can really smell this movie, I feel like. Oh, yeah. This, everything stinks here. Yeah. Like, it fucking stinks. Yeah. Like, that's, and that's a different kind of horror, too, right? Because, like, everybody wants to smell good stuff. Yeah. Right? Like, nobody ever wants to smell something bad. So, when they show you an environment like this, same thing in, like, Elden Ring, which is not a scary game, but, like, all the environments in Elden Ring look like they stink. And that's just like a problem. Like that's just like unpleasant. I don't think From Software knows how to make a pleasant environment. <laughs> no, imagine if it, and if they did, it would be scary in a different way. Yeah. You sort of be like, what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> Why did they make it like this? But it's like, yeah, you go into you go in this hallway, you see this sort of like dark. I have a memory of the room being like kind of pink, yeah. like like, but like not because it's like pink by design, but like. Something is wrong, and it's pink in there. Yeah, it's like a, a sickly television glow. Like yes. It's, it's nasty looking. Whatever's going on in the walls is disgusting. It's bad. The whole thing is bad. There's no way it smells good down there. Right. And we got a lot of really cool stuff in a row, actually, here, where there's like a snap push on Justin as the tape measure gets yanked from his hands, and then some like wobble as it's right up on the knife and flashlight, and then the POV shot. Just a lot of like really great camera work. Bam, bam, bam. Really, yeah, really excellent Raimi-esque kind of stuff, too, like, in, in, in the hallways as well. Sure, sure, yeah. Also, probably worth mentioning that Justin Long is, of course, in Drag Me to Hell. Sam that's Raimi, right. He's so. That's the connective tissue right there. Yeah. Man, Justin Long. He's got it, man. He's got he's, it. He's got the sauce. He's good. <laughs> he falls, and the flashlight is on the fritz, which is bad, because we're getting glimpses of Mother galloping towards him. This is another thing that I haven't talked about. Strange physicality is a very scary thing to me that I don't like. Yeah. I've talked about this before a little bit, but like the the physicality that like somebody would do if they were like sort of like tiptoeing kind of creepily. Mm-hmm. I don't. That's that's enough for me to be like, I don't like that. To see a human shaped person galloping like that. <laughs> really set me off i was like this is absolutely not this is awful yeah and who could blame you not no me. thank you no <laughs> thank you he falls in a hole and he cuts his arm but he gets locked in down there and who should say shush but tess marshall still alive wow this was a nice reveal because i didn't yeah. want anything i didn't want no harm to come to tess yeah it, it was it, and honestly i assumed she was a goner <laughs> I was oh, yeah. like she's fucking dead too not the case no, yeah, because like especially because it seems like such like a clean break between stories, mm-hmm. right? That I was sort of like, oh well, she's screwed. We're not going to yeah. see her again, right? She got the head smash next. <laughs> We're going to see. It's like a. I, I thought this was going to be like a sort of vignette style thing where now it's just going to happen to this guy who sucks, right? And then maybe it'll happen to another person, right? And you know what? Honestly, that would have been okay. Like that's a, that's good. another movie where I'm like, if it's like more about like the house and people yeah. coming to it and getting like devoured by it, that's its own thing. I I love what we got, but I think the fact that there is like so many places where it could have diverged and been something different and unique uh, yeah. really speaks highly to the movie. That's right. And then now, once they're together, another hard cut flashback time. And Zach said, "I was just like, make it super saturated." Sam pushed it really far, and we fell in love with the vibrant green, yellow, and blue. 
Also, the rest of the movie has a little bit of film grain on it, and we were going to put that on the flashback as well. But Sam said, why don't we try video noise instead? And it looked awesome, and it really delineated that section along with switching to a 4-3 aspect ratio. And that was Zach Cooperstein, not Zach Craig. Mm. Yeah, the look of that, this whole flashback is like such an interesting, like, it's it's just freaky because it's like you, you hadn't seen anything like this yet. Yeah. So it's just like, ugh, yuck. But exactly. also good visual language that this is not the current time. Right. Yeah. We got you all know? kinds of little clues. Heat of the moment yeah. is playing right before news about old Ronnie Ray gun. Yes, exactly. The grass is green. The sky is clear. Richard Brake is looking like a creep as Frank here. <laughs> <laughs> he was also recently a lot of fun in The Monsters. How about that? Oh, really? Yeah. He was the mad scientist and Orlock in, in that movie. I'm going to have to pop that on someday. I, I had fun, you know? Yeah. Not, I, look, recently, Hal Rudnick picked Devil's Rejects for this show. Sure. And I really did not like anything I had seen by Rob Zombie up to that point, which was mm-hmm. not nothing. I had seen like three or four of his movies up to that point and didn't like any of them. And then Devil's Rejects was good. I, I It had a lot more going for it. And then The Monsters came out and I was like, damn, The Monsters is fun, too. So I'm starting to maybe get a little converted on some Rob Zombie movies out here. You're a Rob Zombie head. I guess so. I guess so. I am. Uh, I'm, I'm a monster. You're, you're going <laughs> to. What are the lyrics to that song? I'm going to burn through the witches and yeah. drag through the ditches. Yeah, that's what you're going to do. <laughs> sure. Slam, slam in the ditches. I don't know. No, slam in the back of my Dracula, of course, is. Uh, <laughs> I got there. I got there. <laughs> That's the secret password, so I'm going to have to learn the full lyrics to it in order to become part of the Zombie Head Club. You're going to have to. (laughs) A woman at this grocery store innocently helps him find plastic sheets and diapers, things that might seem innocuous had we not seen what lie in the house. Yes. And he gets in his car, he follows the woman home, he puts on a jumpsuit, and he easily makes his way into the bathroom to unlock a window. And it's both of these moments are interesting to sort of see the juxtaposition with what had been up to this point, which is all about how Tess is not trusting the Keith character here. Yes. And, you know, here he's like, oh, I'm having a baby or I'm with the DWP. And they immediately let him into the house or help him shop for murder supplies. Yeah, you're wearing this jumpsuit. I believe you. Right. This woman lets him into her house. So and he goes into the bathroom, checks for Fake checks the thing he says he's going to check and just unlocks her window so that then he can go back there later and easily sneak in. Yeah. Awful. Awful, awful, awful. He comes home to find, hey, Kurt Brownhauer (laughs) talking about moving. I was like, let's fucking go. (laughs) Kurt's in this. What a surprise. I was like, I was already liking this movie. Love this now. This is great. Yeah. He's great in it as like this like kind of overbearing neighbor. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, hey, we're moving. (laughs) Don't be surprised when you see the sign in the lawn. <laughs> Such a fun- like, does he have a good relationship with this man that like he would be devastated by? It's such to me that was so funny. <laughs> yeah, it, it was really great. Frank says he's not going anywhere, and as he heads into the basement, there's the distant sound of screams. Yeah. Boom, cut back to Tess and AJ. Just such an impactful, short flashback. It's not too much. We get no. back to our main story. Really effective. Really yeah, you, and you get you get the, the story of the owner of the house, mm-hmm. uh, the original owner of the house. Exactly. Um, my favorite line in the movie is coming up, I think, like, right now, basically. 
All right. Um, well, so we get back to Tess and AJ. She warns him to stay calm. If you get upset, she gets upset. And Mother shoves this gross, hairy bottle in their faces. Drink yes. it, Tess says, and she does it herself. And when he doesn't, she drops down. And it's so funny to have the mother, like, babbling in his face. It must have been a nightmare to shoot and not break like, yeah. laughing at this. So good. Because, yeah, you, this is, like, the first time you're sort of, like, you get... You're up close and personal with Mother. Mm-hmm. And to me, this is the the idea of the movie that has stuck with me the most. Mm-hmm. When Tess says, she just wants you to be her baby. <laughs> that is the scariest thing I've ever heard. Uh, like, it, <laughs> She just wants that? Yeah. she <laughs> like Because like, she's like, hey, look, like this sucks. But she's not going to kill you if you just pretend to be her baby. Mm. It's that better. That's her sort of like, it's like, well, that's, yeah, it's, that's awful. It's like, it's crazy. But, you know, it, maybe it's like, okay, now that there's another person here, if we just do this, we can maybe figure out a way to get out of here. Mm. Um, but, like, that central idea is, like, such a good, um, it's just a good scary thing that I've never heard before. Mm-hmm. And you understand it right away. Like, you, you, I, you, like, that to me is, like, it's the shortest explanation with the most amount of information in it possible, yeah. I think. Because it's sort of like, I I immediately get what that means. I have to drink (laughs) this gross breast milk. Because you already saw the breastfeeding video. Right. So you had that idea is planned to do with you. You see this monster's boobs out. Sure. You see the bottle. You get that. And then there was the diaper stuff too. You you get that there's like a sort of parenting sort of thing happening here. Right. If somebody said that to you, you'd be scared for your life. Yeah. It is so, that's, that's such a jarring thing. I say to my cats all the time, you're just a little baby. You're just, you're my baby. I love you. You're like my baby. If a cat understood what I was saying to them, they'd be like, I'm scared. That's a scary thing. If somebody was like, oh, you're just a little baby. You're like my baby. I'd be like, no, 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 no. 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 Absolutely not. No. What are you talking about? I'm a grown ass man. I've just been saying that. I've been saying it constantly since I've seen the movie. And my girlfriend is like, why do you like that line so much? And I'm like, it's just because it's like, it's interesting. I was like, it's yeah. just like, I, I, it's, it's just, it does such a good job of, it cuts right through. Mm. It's so scary. It's such an interesting idea. It's a scary idea. It rocks. It's, it's really, great really texture. good. Great it's texture. great. It's so good. And I don't know if any people, and if, if, if that's like a thing that people have been talking about. Um, but if for some reason, Zach Krager hears me going on and on about, <laughs> She just wants you to be her baby. I love that line. And I think it's maybe the greatest, maybe one of my favorite lines this year and of all time. I loved it. It's so great. It totally reframes everything you've seen yes. in, a, in a way that is terrifying. And yeah, you're like, it drops you into their shoes and you're like, oh God, which is worse? Like, what do I do in this situation? Yeah, I thought it was scary because of this, this <laughs> other thing that was happening. But now I have this information. Right. And it's not better. <laughs> he he gets dragged from the pit to the room with the TV and booped on the nose. Amazing. Yes. Yes. And like it's forcibly made to like suck on her teat. Right. And he hates it. Tess is climbing from the pit while she's distracted with that. Hell yeah for her. Hell no for him. Yes. Because she's going direct from the source. We're breastfeeding now. This is the time for us to bond, says the TV. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, awful. So, yuck. 
<laughs> Justin said, the breastfeeding moment is obviously really horrible, and I would try to keep myself close to frenzy so I could access that kind of fear and emotion as soon as Zach said action. And I was kind of in an agitated state while Matthew Patrick Davis, who played the mother, was holding me in his lap between takes. And from beneath the grotesque makeup, he would be really concerned. I'd hear him say, dude, are you okay? Do you need anything? And he was taking care of me in a very maternal way. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's amazing. Yeah. I often think about like what actors have to do sometimes. You see behind the scenes stuff of like Benedict Cumberpatch or whatever pretending to do little magic tricks with his hand and stuff. And I'm like, this is like a good actor. He's like a great actor and he has to do stupid stuff like this. Like, and all these actors have to do stupid stuff like this. And I keep bringing up Marvel stuff and I don't mean to do that because I like going to see those movies. Yeah. But this is, look, they're huge in the culture. So it's just a prominent example because it's most, that's most movies now. (laughs) But yeah, to sit and think that Justin Long. Had to sit there and breastfeed a fake thing. He also said it was worse at first. That the mother grabbed a rat that was scurrying by, bit its head off, and then masticated the head and would baby bird it into my mouth. He said it was in Zach's script, so I knew about it. But when we were shooting, he approached me kind of tentatively, which was rare. And I was nervous. I thought I was getting fired. But I realized he was just asking if I would be okay with Matthew actually spitting the... It was prosciutto they were using. Oh... He said, how do you want to do it? Are you okay if it goes directly into your mouth? And I said, yeah, of course, we're here. We're already doing this. I've signed up for this. In a perverse way, I was eager to have it go directly into my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) But see, this is why he rocks. Because he's like, he's not somebody that's going to be like, can we not do that? Yeah. Can we find another way to do it? Spit that prosciutto, baby. I'm doing, I'm, I'm here doing this. Right. Yes, he, sa- he says, I thought as an audience member, I would want to see as much as possible of that. You want it to be disgusting as possible. And then Zach cut the scene, which I learned the first time I saw it. It was too gratuitous. It was too much. The breastfeeding scene was enough. And then we wanted to move on with the story, which I can understand. That might yeah. be one too many things to just stay in that room for. I Hopefully that scene does make its way onto a, a Blu-ray or something because I yeah. would like to see that gross scene. I want to, yeah, I want to see the fruits of uh, their labor there, <laughs> at the very least. But you know what? Something we haven't really talked about that really works to this movie's benefit mm. is the runtime. Mm, it clips along. It clips along. It's like what, like ninety minutes? Not much more than that. Let me let me look it up. I yeah, it. I it's a it's a little shorty. It's good. It's yeah. a good runtime. Hour forty two you know, with credits. hour forty two. Not bad. That's that's good. That's yeah. really good. Because mm-hmm. like you know. All these movies are long now, and that, that's fine. Like, I'm right. excited that Avatar 2 is going to be three hours and 12 minutes right. long. Great. I'm signing up. I'm taking the ride. Not every movie. Exactly. Something needs to be like a two and a half hour event. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You yes, can yes, get yes, in yes. and out. There's like, have you seen Creep? No, I actually haven't seen that one yet. Creep is really good, and if somebody had picked Barbarian, I probably would have talked about Creep. I love Creep. Creep oh. is 72 minutes long. Wow. Or 78 minutes long or something. Love it's very that. economical. Love that. It's great, and I highly recommend it. Uh, look, I, I, yeah. the, the problem with this show, not to digress too hard here, but yeah. I am always like, oh, I kind of want to go in fresh for some of these big movies that I'm sure yes. will get picked. And then, so I like hold off on watching stuff, but then when they don't get picked and people are like, oh, well, have you seen this? I'm like, no, I'm waiting. But If, if for some reason somebody doesn't pick Creep, by the time it's time yeah. to ask me to come do this again, I'll happily talk about creep. 
Boom, it's so we'll get good. you in there for a bonus set for sure. Hell yeah. Tess finds the basement door locked, obviously. So she shatters the little window she crawled out of once. She gets yanked out by the guy who rushed her earlier, just as Mother reaches out. Another great shot is uh, she's like slinking back into the darkness. Yeah, she sort of has what I would call like spider posture uh, <laughs> in this window because she's taking up the whole like frame of the window, basically. Yeah. Uh, very nasty. Ooh. Yeah, and the guy says she comes out at night, so get the fuck out of here. Forget about that guy. And then I was immediately like, this guy is so interesting. <laughs> I was like, I got to know everything about him, what his deal is, why does he know this? We, I wish I wish we got a little more about that guy. Yeah, he was great. AJ finds a bell hooked to a rope, which is unsettling, but there's no time to dwell because Mother has discovered he's missing. He finds a door, though, and Mother is scared by whatever is behind it shrinking away after she finds him there and he enters and it's bottles all over the floor it stinks there's a funny tropical mural on the wall zach said i knew i wanted some pink here and blue here like baby colors and on the top floor there's some pink and blue at play as well but i don't know if you noticed in frank's room there's the big beachscape on the wall and i was especially thrilled with that because when we meet aj he's at the beach and i tried to draw the parallels between these two characters frank is kind of the crystallization of aj He's like everything that's toxic and terrible about AJ boiled down to its essence. And I wanted the idea that AJ is confronting himself down there. So that's a little visual clue that this is him. And I, I think that you do see how this is sort of like the most extreme version of AJ here and, and how that's sort of the like portrait mm-hmm. of Dorian Gray kind of yes. that he's finding. Ugh. Yeah, that re- like the reveal that like that mother is afraid it's just an interesting idea, too, because you're just sort of like, well, this monster is afraid of this man. Like, why? Mm, you know? The real monster. Yeah, exactly. And then you, you, we do find out, like, exactly what he was up to. And then it's, you know, it's it's worse. It's worse than anything anyone has done in the movie so far. Uh, it's really, really bad. Yeah, that's right. He's got, like, snuff films, multiple shelves, hits entitled Pregnant, Very Old, Cab Driver, Junkie, No Teeth. Grim and obviously preying on people who are the most vulnerable. Yes, very nasty. And, and which is, you don't see any of that, but you get sort of like a shot of uh, Justin Long, like watching one of them and being like, what the fuck? Like, this right. is What's crazy. What's wrong with you? He said, yeah. yeah. Tess, meanwhile, is walking to a gas station. She calls the cops. They arrive and they're more concerned about her hands on the door than hearing her out. They interrupt her with a hand wave. They say, don't give me, me 10 started. to dispatch. Truly frustrating. They're pissy about her not having any ID. She's like, I was a prisoner. I don't have anything. <laughs> I know. They It's no. awful. They go, they oh. won't go in the house. There were shots <laughs> fired on Midland, so they leave, but not before threatening to arrest her. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll just say it's just always interesting when cops decide they're gonna play by the the rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the time we have to follow the book. Yeah. So Tess uh, has to break in as AJ is is like why Oh, yeah. So this is where he gets the gun because Frank yes, that's right. pulls out the gun from the drawer. You think he's going to shoot AJ, but he instead shoots himself. The jig is up. He's like, well, I had a good run. AJ said the cops will be there any second. So he shoots himself. Obviously, we know that isn't the case. But yes. And because, yeah, the cops are never going to come here. Right. Um, <laughs> but that, that moment was interesting to me, too, because it's like. You get so much information with that, with so little information in, in the scene too, because like he's down there, and you're just sort of like, I guess he's just been down here the whole time. 
<laughs> he just sort of lives down here. Yeah. That's kind of weird. And then once he's been discovered, he's like, well, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> that's, it. that's it. Don't look at me. Yeah, I, you weren't supposed to know that I'm bad and I live here. <laughs> this is him decrying cancel culture. Yeah. Like, they got He's me. like, I won't be canceled. Right. Self-cancellation. I'll cancel myself. <laughs> Tess breaks in as night falls. She grabs her keys. She gets in the car. And when mother attacks, she runs her through the wall of the house. <laughs> it's fun. It's direct. We respect <laughs> the fuck out of it. Yes. AJ has the gun now. Tess has gone back in searching for him since as far as she can tell, mother is dead. But she's got to stop going back, just like she said, because suddenly we see the glint of the gun and his flashlight and a shot rings out and she falls. What a what a twist. <laughs> it's incredible. An incredible twist. Of course, you get a. Well, this is the, OK. So this is what I was misremembering this earlier. I now remember my reaction to Justin Long having this gun. He made this big threat earlier. That he's like, hey, if anybody's down there, I have a gun and I'm going to unload it. The second he has a gun, he shoots the one person that's <laughs> not bad. Oh, my God. Every wrong decision at every time. <laughs> it's insane. Georgia said it was interesting that Kreger decided to have a woman be the character that sort of ends up being the savior and isn't the damsel in distress. She has a morality that is completely opposite to AJ's morality and that she will do anything to help these people that she barely knows. I can find that hard to relate to. I'm not sure if I would put myself in the same positions as Tess, but I think it's exciting and I think it's always good to change those dynamics. And in horror, you get the final girl dynamic a lot. But I think it's interesting that this final girl has a lot of agency and also does try to save the men. I think that Tess is such a great character. We already talked about how great the performance mm -hmm. is. But I think that the writing as well is really well done. Uh, she is interesting. She does sort of subvert a lot of the uh, like horror tropes about who survives to the end and, and like what they get to do to get out of things. Uh, I think that it's just, uh, it is great. She, it is unique, like she says. Yes, it's fantastic. He drags her out and mother is missing and he refuses to go back in the tunnel for the keys because he's a coward. And it's funny because she has literally gone in several times. <laughs> she keeps hard. going in. Yeah. She brings AJ to where the guy who helped her named Andre is camping out and he says to just wait it out. But AJ is reckoning with his moral failings and he wants to get her some help, damn it. And he's really putting on a performance for Andre, which also, I think, does help to sort of make you be like, well, he it wasn't actually like confronting these emotions until there was someone else here to put on this play for. So you definitely kind of are like, well, this potential growth feels maybe a little unearned, which then makes it that much more impactful later when, uh, when we see yeah. it. In fact, it was not growth. So, yes, exactly. Andre is sure that he'll leave that she'll leave them alone in his camp. It's been 15, uh, 15 years and she never comes in there, he says. Uh, yes. Right as she bursts through the wall and beats him to death. <laughs> with his own it's arm. such a good it's <laughs> another one of those great jokes in the movie. Like it's like it's I've been here for 15 years. She's never come over here. The <laughs> second he's done saying this, he she rips his arm off. <laughs> yeah, it's grody. It's really grody. <laughs> And, like, starts hitting him with it. <laughs> it's a great distraction for them to run. It's really, really funny. <laughs> <laughs> they climb the silo here, and he won't wait for her. And then he drops the gun. So two yeah. more asshole fuck-ups by Justin Long's character here. 
Cooperstein said the top of the silo was actually a set construction as well at another studio. And there was a lot of talk around doing green screen for that. But I was pretty opposed to that. I felt like the green would spill onto everything and it would be a nightmare in VFX. Getting the plates would also be difficult and expensive. And the goal was really a darkened city horizon line in the background that's supposed to be city lights in the distance. So we took black fabric and we ran it 270 degrees around the silo top set, poked holes in the fabrics, shined light through the back of it, and it looked great. And I totally agree. It does look fantastic. I would never have guessed that. I mean, I I guess I just never would have guessed that it was like in effect either way, like practical or otherwise. I guess I just don't know what the tops of silos are (laughs) capable of. I was like, they really got up there. Yeah, I had no idea. He sees mother climbing after them and is like, she won't ever stop. We have to give her what she wants so I can get away. And then he shoves Tess off the side. Justin said a long but interesting quote. So I'll read this quote. Please. um, He says, you think there's going to be a redemption for AJ and the Mm -hmm. character does something really revealing. There's a true moral litmus test and he fails, which I think is a really strong statement to make about a person like that. It explores some of the performative nature of these apologies, and it addresses what true accountability is. AJ is truly selfish. Even after he's heard about the accusation, he just wants to know if the pilot is picked up. Moments like that, he's so selfish that it becomes comical. At the end, when there's a glimmer of humanity and he says, I did a bad thing and maybe I'm a bad person, he's wrestling, obviously, with the shame of having done something horrific. And I found that after that, Zach doesn't let him off the hook. He shows his true colors. I like that he teases a moan of redemption and takes it away. With a character like that, if it adds anything to the conversation, it's about what it means to be truly accountable and how does one account for something so heinous? What is appropriate in terms of punishment and how do we meet out that kind of justice? It's an important conversation to be having, so I hope it adds to it. But I loved exploring someone who is that narcissistic, that incapable of real accountability. Even when he had the phone call to Megan, he says, I'm sorry if you were offended. How many times have we heard apologies like that? He's just trying to save himself. And I remember wondering if he did this and how much truth there was to it and and how that other character, the one who accused him, was going to factor in. And I think it's revealed by his actions. And I thought that it was interesting that it was never totally explained. Zach leaves a lot of that up to the imagination, which makes it scarier and more interesting. You fill in the holes on your own, using your own imagination, which I think is always more fertile than having it shown to you. And yeah, I think that he absolutely nails it, that this is just such a a great moment to really seal the deal on this. Yeah, that's exactly why I think that moment really works and really sings is because you would expect him to have the come to Jesus moment, right? Right. Like. The sort of like, oh, I've been fucked up this whole time. I, I've done things that uh, I regret and that I'm not proud of. And here's my chance to make it right. I'm going to save you. Right. And the fact that he's just like, he just pushes her. <laughs> it's so, it's comical because it's the worst thing you could do. Right. And it's only funny because he doesn't get away with it either. You know, yeah. if he got away with it, you'd be like, Jesus Christ, That's this is such so a grim, <laughs> it's such a grim movie. <laughs> But the fact that he does have his comeuppance is great. And I could see why you would pick to be in this movie, you know, because like if that's on the page and you're getting that from what's written in front of you, you're going to like be like, oh, well, that's interesting. I want to do that. Like that's yeah. uh, that's that's just so cool. Absolutely. 
So Tess falls and Mother goes over after her. She cushions Tess's fall with her own bod. Tess is still alive and AJ is like, ah, crap. He makes some excuses, but then Mother refuses to die. She leaps up, she gouges his eyes out and then splits his dang melon like an apple. The dang eyes, though, (laughs) nasty. Very gross. Very nasty. They become like, I guess just as a man, as a human being, I'll say, I don't have a firm grasp on the texture of an eyeball. (laughs) So when it basically liquefies in her thumb, (laughs) I was like, that is so gross. And I bet true. Like it like popped like it was row or something. It's gross. Nasty, man. It's so nasty. nasty. And then, yeah, what he does, what she does with his head is also gross. But I was like, well, I already saw the eyes. The <laughs> eyes was worse. Yeah, that's right. The head split is from behind as well. So it's yeah, like, the eyes is really the uh, the the uh, the main course here. Yeah, exactly. Really well done. Really great effect. Mm-hmm. That I could tell. I was like, well, that's a practical effect because that's like. <laughs> so nasty yeah it couldn't it couldn't have been cg well it just looks like he's interacting with it like it yeah it gets over his hands and stuff it's gross yeah mother babbles at tess a bit and cries about the wound and matthew patrick davis who I, again plays mother he said i see her as an innocent a person who has no behavior model other than her father's horrific violence and this mother love that she watches on videotape her behavior is understandable the best monsters like king kong and leatherface are not just evil they're behaving the best way they can with the tools they have. And and yeah, I think that this is a, an interesting character. There is some sympathy that they that they sort of draw from you at the last moment here, even just looking back and saying, yeah, like, oh, she is just looking for that sort of mother-daughter relationship or whatever. Yeah. You're afraid of her at first because you don't understand what you're seeing. You don't understand... You don't have any backstory for what she is, right? So, like anything you don't immediately understand, you're like afraid of. Sure. You're just uh, you're just uh, inherently afraid of that. And then you learn what she's a product of. I feel like you can't help but sympathize sure. with mother. I was like, oh god, like what? Just what a sad circumstance. But there's no, there's just no way out of it for Tess, right? I can't go back unless she does kill mother, right? After a, a gentle baby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is it's so scary still. Yes. <laughs> like, too scary. It's intense. It's very intense. She shoots mother in the head. Bang. Credits. Be My Baby plays intercut with her walking back to town, which is a perfect, delightful credit song. A great needle drop. Yes, I loved it. I loved it a lot. And now, Matt, we've reached the part of the episode where we sum up why it's not just a good horror movie but is, in fact, the best horror movie ever made. And I'm going to let you start. I think for me, I was saying this sort of at the beginning, a good idea goes a long way. And they're few and far between nowadays, I feel like, especially in, like, movies, because, like, you know, everything is, like, is uh, already established in IP. Uh, uh, there's sequels, there adaptations, there you know, remakes. It's mm-hmm. all sort of just, that's kind of the w- the landscape. That's mostly what we get to see nowadays. And a lot of it's good. A lot of it is interesting. But nothing beats a new idea. Nothing beats an original idea. And the fact that you could be still presented with something new and something scary, and it's scary in a new way that you hadn't seen before, I think is a very just unique experience. I think this movie just 
it's like a sensation. It's just like every, I feel like everybody that I've seen, I haven't seen any single person online being like, this movie sucks. <laughs> Everyone is really like having the same sort of experience with this movie because like it's based on something that we all maybe secretly do fear a little bit is that what if you went into an Airbnb and it was fucked up? Like, because like, you know what I mean? Like, that's a real human scare. That's a scary thing. Yeah. It it's just expands on that, obviously, in a very heightened way. But it's, 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 it's real and it's human. And I think it does a great job getting you to understand these characters, getting you to understand the world of this movie and go just go along for the ride. It clips along, but it's also very patient. Like, it's not really, like, holding your hand in a sort of way that, like, I feel like so, a lot of movies do. Right. Nowadays, it's very much like, here's just what's going on. Like, here, <laughs> here we go. Like, buckle up. Yeah. You're about to see something crazy. Right. Like I said, it's 40-something minutes until they get to see Mother for the first time. So, yes. Like, yeah, it's, not, it's definitely patient. I just think it's operating on a level. It's in, like, rarefied air, kind of. Like, it's, like, it's very just, like, I haven't seen a movie this year that I think I liked as much. I liked a lot of movies I saw. I keep saying Dune. Good, good movie. But like Dune came out last year. But it's like a December, different thing. December last year. Ken, it's like a different thing too. Yeah. Where it's like, like, but this is like a like a movie because it's also, it's an adaptation. It's a movie that's been made before already. Sure. This is a completely new thing. They found ways to scare you that you, I don't know. I was like, the scares in this movie are different than scares in other movies. Like, I was like, I hadn't seen somebody's eyes pop like that. I hadn't seen this horrific saturation, like, even. Like, I was yeah. like, this is all gross. It's all nasty. <laughs> she just wants you to be her baby. Ugh. Goes so far for me that I think, yeah, I, there's, there's, to me, there's just no question that it's the best. Hell yeah. To me, this is the best horror movie ever made. And to start off my reasoning, I am going to do one more quote from Zach here, who said, we're not curing cancer, it's a roller coaster ride. I want people to laugh, scream, and have fun. Sam Raimi has three rules of horror, and he's the best. You know what they are? First, the innocent must suffer. Second, the guilty must be punished. And the third one is, you must taste blood to be a man. I think that the idea of sort of hitting these tropes, you know, Tess does have to do a little growing up here like she she sort of uh, learns not to trust this guy but to sort of take it into yeah. her own hands and everything she has to pull the trigger on on mother in order to get away and so that's really interesting but i also just love that the dynamics of fincher and Raimi, the two that he's really aping a lot are mm-hmm. so different yes and the co- it's two great tastes that taste great together baby I know. Give me that Grindhouse double feature stat. Yes. This is so great. I I love the first slow, patient moments of dancing around if this guy is crazy or not, if he's going to be the one to kill her, then getting into the basement and the grime and these, these flashy snap zooms and everything. It's just so great, so confident, such a unique blend of two great things. The performances are incredible. Bill Skarsgård, Georgina Campbell, really incredible. Definitely one to watch going forward. I hope she's in more horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin Long, we talked about it. Goated. Incredible. My man is going so hard in the paint in this movie. Yeah, he rocks. It's just fantastic. The script is great. Everything about this is great. It's it's low budget, but not so low budget that it's it's like falling apart at the seams. It's economical in, in runtime. It's just the best horror movie ever made. 
That's just how it is. That's just how it is. Matt, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. This was so much fun. Please tell the people where they can find you. Listen to your other pods. All that jazz. There's technically a Twitter account that I have that I'm sort of just like not on anymore. Uh, you know, and by the time this comes it. out, <laughs> yeah, and by the time this comes out, it might no longer exist also. Yeah. But I'm on social media generally by my first and last name, Matt Apodaca. You can kind of find me anywhere online like that. You can check out Get Played on Earwolf. That's our free show. We talk about video games. And then on our Patreon, patreon.com slash getplayed. We have our show called Get Animated, where we talk about anime. That's really great and a lot of fun. And yeah, I guess. And then sometimes we stream on Twitch, twitch.tv slash getplayedpod uh, for all that stuff. And then our Twitter account is there too, getplayedpod, that has a link tree that has all of our other links. Boom. So There you go. Let's get to that link tree while you can. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> go, go back inside the Airbnb and get that <laughs> link real quick. <laughs> that's the car keys of this situation exactly (laughs) yeah highly encourage you all to check that out i uh am not the hugest anime guy but i've been hearing a lot of really great stuff about chainsaw man and your guys's coverage in particular so i love chainsaw man chainsaw man rocks it is it is very uh i haven't seen a ton of anime except for the stuff we've watched for the show and it's it's just a blast it looks cool it's it's really cool Looks really cool. Very I also stupid, very I fun. have to, while we're talking about anime, compliment your Persona Five hat there. Very fun. Yeah, I, I, we haven't recorded the episode yet, but we're going to be doing a Persona Five episode wow. soonish. And I've got in in a big, big way that I'm a little <laughs> concerned. <laughs> yeah, I haven't gotten to Royal yet, but I did Persona Five Classic and and mm-hmm. Persona Four Golden, and both got easily over a hundred hours in. Yeah. Ugh. I'm climbing up there. I'm about 38 <laughs> into Royal. So. They get you, man. They really yeah. get you in. But uh, but I digress. I guess I'll look forward to that episode. Sounds like it'll yeah. be a lot of fun. So. I don't know when we're doing it, but we're doing it. <laughs> we're, do- we're doing it. As far as my plugs, people can find me on Twitter for as long as that exists at LittleHorrorPHL. <laughs> that username applies pretty much everywhere. But up until this point, I had been pretty much on Twitter. So I guess we'll see what happens after that. Yeah, it's also the uh, handle for the Patreon. If you want to check out the Patreon, there's all kinds of fun bonus episodes over there. Things that aren't necessarily constrained by best horror movie ever made, but maybe just more general. We also talk about video games and stuff over there. So things that might be of interest to fans of Matt's. There you go. Kevin Bartell is coming back to talk about Last of Us 2 for December. Oh, we talked about PT with Clay Tatum a couple months back. That was a lot of fun. Hell yes. All kinds of great video game stuff, plus more movies. The 13 best animated horror shorts from 1929 to 1953 with Branson Reese. Like truly anything and everything over there. So check that out. And yeah, I guess uh, send me an email if Twitter goes down and say hi. <laughs> like That'll be just how we go back to email, littlehorrorphl at gmail.com. Send me an email and uh, maybe ask a question. We'll do another mailbag or something. All right, everyone. That's it. Thanks. Bye.